Sometimes life seems to be mission impossible, isn't it? When you have, you know, setbacks and drawbacks and disappointments and all sorts of things seeming to work against us. We want to move ahead in life, you want to achieve something, you want to build something, and it seems that all you hit up against are obstacles. And then Jesus comes and he says, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. <laughs> like God invites us to be part of his mission. In other words, God has a plan to save the world. God wants you and me and all those guys out there and even those people you don't like. God wants them in his heaven with him for eternity. Because Jesus Christ died for everybody. Right? And God invites you and I to be part of that plan. You've got to be kidding. Me? You? I mean, we've got enough with life. Just doing life, right? You know, just working, paying the bills, bringing the kids up and putting up with this world. And then all the other setbacks and disappointments and, and, and deaths and illnesses and, and bills to pay. And, and then we are supposed to follow Jesus in the middle of all this and, and, and reach out to people and bring people to him. It's impossible. At first glance, following Christ seems impossible. Being a Christian seems impossible. Doing what God requires us to do is impossible. We did the series last month, Money Matters. Applying all that stuff in our lives seems impossible. And it is impossible if you try to do all this on your own. But here's the deal. Jesus didn't invite us to do something on our own. He invites us to be co-workers with God. He invites us to do all these things, everything he requires us to do, the, the follow me invitation he makes to us. He doesn't leave us to do it alone. He has sent us his Holy Spirit. And so suddenly, mission impossible becomes Mission possible. Mission possible. And today we start the new series, Mission Possible. And we're going to look at these things, some of these things which seem like an impossibility, but which in God we can do it. And every one of you here online listening to this message, if you said yes to Jesus, you also said yes to the mission that has been assigned to us as God's people. None of us are exempt from this. When Jesus said, follow me, he gave us a whole package. Not just salvation, which is wonderful because none of us can save ourselves. Salvation comes only from Jesus. But having been saved, having been linked up with him, we become part of his work on the earth. And he says, now you follow me and you become Fishers of men. Wow. So, it is actually the series, actually an extension of last month's series. Because in Money Matters, it became clear that we were all created to be stewards of what God has put on this planet. 
God created this planet and he put humankind here to look after it. It doesn't belong to us. It belongs to God. But we are supposed to look after it. The word is stewards. Steward is somebody who looks after someone else's uh, properties, okay? So we don't own anything. God owns it all and entrusts us to manage it for him according to his pattern. And one day, every human being, Christian and non-Christian, will have to stand before God and give an account of how have we handled our life on this planet, what have you done with what has been entrusted to you? And of course, as we, as we look around, you don't have to be a, a rocket scientist to look around and realize, man, we have made a mess of our stewardship in this planet. Look what we are doing to ourselves right now. What are we, 22nd century? We're supposed to be civilized, advanced, learned, educated, scientifically conscious and stuff like that. And look what we're doing. We're destroying ourselves. We're killing one another. We're spilling junk all over the planet. There is hatred. There is war. What a lousy management system we've got going on here. And I tell you what. If the church wasn't Chaluk, we are not perfect, church. Christians, we are not perfect across the world. We are not perfect. But I tell you something. If believers were not on this planet, humankind would have already self-destroyed. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit resists evil on this earth. And the Holy Spirit resists evil through his church, through you and me. Because every time a Christian stands up for what is right, every time a Christian stands up for justice, he's resisting evil. And we need more Christians to stand up for what is right, for what is biblical, what is godly in this planet, so that evil can be resisted. Of course, we know that evil will only ultimately be eliminated once Jesus returns to rule on the earth. Then there will be no evil because he's going to rule with a rod of iron. And he's going to make sure there is no evil. You see, today people can tell lies, they can tell stories, because when you tell me a story, if I'm a, if I'm a leader, if I'm a president, if I'm, a, I'm somebody with authority, and you tell me your story, I, I don't know what's in your heart. You could be telling me the truth, or you could be lying. But when Jesus reigns, he knows people's hearts. So no, no leader is going to come to him and say, oh Lord, you know, I couldn't do this, and I, I couldn't do that. And he says, oh you lie, I can see your heart. You're being selfish. And things are going to come into place. You see, so what I want to do in this series, last year in the, in the, in the first series we did in Money Matters, we, we looked mostly at stewardship around money and positions. But in this series, we want to take a look at other areas of stewardship. Because when you hear the word steward, we immediately tend to think of oh, money, finances, positions. But that's not all that we are supposed to look after. There's so much more. And so in the series, we want to look at, at something else, other areas of our lives where we are stewards. The aim of the series is to install in us or revive in us a, a sense of mission and a sense of purpose. I wonder, how many of you like to, to read or watch a, a good thriller? Ah, I've got a couple of companions. Good. I love it. 
You see what happened? The guy goes on a mission and, and, and it's dangerous. He's got to get, he's got to do something. He's got to get somewhere. And, and then all the obstacles begin to come and you got to dodge. You got to, a guy's got to do all sorts of things. And, and, and at some point in the story, the guy or the girl, they want to give up. They're so tired. They don't seem to get it. And then they get a renewed strength and they go, 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 go until eventually they reach their mission. They reach their goal and it is rejoicing. And the whole thing is so exciting. And sometimes you, you watch a story like that and you wonder, mm, I'd, I'd like to be part of something exciting like that. When I was a young teenager, I used to love going on walks and climb mountains and, 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 and we got, get to peaks. And, and I loved going to edges, edges of mountains and, and dangerous ones. Sometimes I'd, I'd go and I'd do these things and so on. And, and then at night I'd lie in bed and shake with fear. I says, what was I thinking? Because it was right here, one slip and I could be down there, 300 meters down or something like that. And then I'd get butterflies in my stomach. But the next chance I got, I would be there again. <laughs> I don't do it anymore, by the way. <laughs> I don't know why, but some things have changed. I'd rather watch it on my app and see these people jumping off cliffs. And go, ah! You know, but I, I do it from a safe place. But I still like a good adventure. I still like to be thrilled. And I discovered early in my life that there is nothing as thrilling as being used by God to help somebody get close to God. There's nothing as thrilling as seeing a life change before you. Because maybe you introduced them to Jesus. Or because maybe they, they come with a situation and you open the Bible and you, and you show them and they go, Wow, I didn't know that. Come, let's pray together. And, and there's a breakthrough. And, and peace flows. Salvation flows. Healing flows. There's nothing as exhilarating as seeing that. And that is the mission that you're called to do. And it's not a mission on a plain field where once you become Christian, everything is fine. Hallelujah. You don't walk on the floor anymore. You kind of float in the air. And everything is fine. No. In this earth, Jesus told us, told his followers, told you and me, you're going to have tribulation. And if you follow me, you're probably going to attract more tribulation because not everybody agrees with what Jesus is. It's going to be hard. You could lose your life just for following Jesus. I've been reading some horrible reports happening around the world of people being put into a woman in England. Jailed just because she was quietly praying in front of an abortion clinic. She wasn't praying out loud. She didn't come with banners and posters. She was just, just standing over there, looking around, wasn't even moving her mouth, wasn't mumbling her prayer. She was praying inside, quietly. Cop comes, what are you doing? Are you praying, yeah? He says, yes, I'm praying, but I'm just standing, yeah. You cannot do that. They took her to jail. Exciting, eh? But here's the thing. When you follow Jesus, even these crazy circumstances, like being confronted and, and being rejected and even being put into prison, all of these things can be used as opportunities to expand the kingdom of God. If you read the book of Philippians in the New Testament, it's one of the most joyful books in the Bible. 
Talks about joy, 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 rejoice in the Lord always against rejoice. It's a joyful book written by the Apostle Paul while sitting in a cold, damp prison chained to guards. How can the man rejoice? I'll tell you how. Because while he was in that prison, since he had nothing to do and he had a couple of guards which had to stick with him, he began to preach to them. And the word of God began to spread. And some of those gods got born again. And they told their families. And pretty soon the whole guard or most of the gods knew the gospel and were following Jesus. And Paul knew that that was his mission. His mission wasn't to live a comfortable life. His mission was to bring the word of God. To extend the kingdom of God. You ask any agent. You know secret agents? Special agents? They work for the government. They work for the secret service. And, you know, in the movies, they look all smart and spiffy, always in a nice suit and dark glasses and all the pretty girls. But go behind the scenes. They have very awkward lives. Sometimes they live in very uncomfortable situations because they've got to risk their lives to get to the mission. So there are some good moments, but mostly it's horrible moments. Their lives are in danger. They could, any time, they could get shot. They could die. Well, you and I are special agents for the kingdom of God. And we are not secret agents. We are very openly agents for the kingdom of God. You say, but pastor, what on earth has that got to do with stewardship? Everything. Because you see, <laughs> when you came to Jesus, you gave up everything to follow him. You are his follower. You are a servant of God. Servants don't own nothing. Okay, don't own anything. <laughs> Let me speak the correct English over here. All right? If you're a slave, and, and actually the, the biblical word is slave, okay? Servants today, they own things. But in the Bible times, slaves owed nothing. If you're lucky to be the slave of a good master, you got everything, man. You know, you got accommodation, you got food, you just had to keep the house clean and make sure you don't touch the master's wife, otherwise we're happy, okay? That was good. We are slaves of a very good master because all good gifts come from God. And he has given all we need for this life and for eternity. But we are his servants. And so we are on a mission. And, and the point of the series is to really try and, and help us to understand that our life has a sense of mission, of purpose. In spite of setbacks, in spite of illness, disease, and death, and, and joblessness, and poverty, and all sorts of things that may come against us, we continue on mission. We go through all the stuff. And we bring God the glory and we do our best to expand the kingdom of God. We use everything God has given us. We use every opportunity, every circumstance to witness and to push on and to expand the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. And so our Christian walk as followers of Jesus should also have elements of a thriller in it. There will be seasons in our lives where we seem to be accomplishing things for God. At times it seems that nothing is happening. But if we are aware of our calling and of what God wants us to do and what he wants from us, then we can walk practically every single day with a sense of mission. And that's what the series is all about. That we can walk every day with a sense of mission. You don't have to be a pastor, a preacher, an evangelist, or a missionary. Whoever you are, wherever you are, you have been called to be on a mission. I don't care what job you do. I don't care where you are placed. 
whether you're working or studying or in school or varsity or while you are doing your sports and your recreation, every single moment of your life, you are on mission for the Lord. You should be aware that God can use you anywhere, anytime, because we are all have been called on mission, not just the pastors. Amen? Say with me, I am on mission for the kingdom of God. Yeah, amen. That's you, all right? Tell somebody next to you, that's you, man. <laughs> okay? All right. We are special agents in the service of the kingdom of God. And so today, in part one, equipped for the mission, we will see that God has called us and already equipped us for the mission he has for us. Someone said many centuries ago that people are more in need of reminding than in need of educating. Okay? And let me repeat again. People are more in need of being of reminding than being educated. You see, there's a lot of things we know, but we don't practice. Or we know, we've heard them, but then we forget. Or we've heard about it, but you're not aware of it. We don't take it seriously. We don't practice it. But you know what it is. It's inside of you. And so you don't need to be taught because you already know. You need to be reminded. And I think this, this, this session today is something like that. Maybe even this whole series will be more a matter of reminding us rather than instructing us. For some of us, it might be instructing. For some of us, it might be something new. But I want to share some things with you today which bears reminding and aligning them in our thinking, in our hearts, in our vision, so that we can understand that we are always on mission. But I'm a, I'm a housewife, or I, I work from home. That's your mission field. <laughs> All right? I, I don't have any important position in society. Doesn't matter. Whatever you're doing, that's your mission field. Oh, my job is so humble. That's your mission field. You are an agent for the kingdom of God right there where you are. And as you see through the series, God is going to help you and lead you into doing mission work, accomplishing things for the kingdom of God. So here you go. First of all, we are co-workers with God. First Corinthians chapter 3 and the first part of verse 9. It says, for we are co-workers in God's service. Uh, Paul was talking about the fact that some people are saying, hey, I I'm from Paul or, or I'm from Apollos. You know, uh, Christians already in the first century were picking sides. Oh, I follow Stephen Furtick. Oh, no, 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 no. I, I like this guy. You know, oh, no, no. I, uh, John Rabbit. Oh, listen, Pastor De Silva, he is the best. Uh, we, of course he is. <laughs> what I'm saying is this, and, and you see this even today. Oh, I follow this guy. Have you heard this prophet? Oh, what about that apostle? And, and people get all hung up on the workers of the Lord instead of the master of the workers of the Lord. Forgetting that you and I are also workers of the Lord. We've got different functions, and that's what Paul says over there. Because his man, listen, did Apollos or did Paul die for you? <laughs> you know, one, one, one sows the seed, another one waters, but it is God who gives the growth. It is God who does the work. You know, so we are co-workers with God. Don't pick sides, become a worker. Do your part. Amen. 
And, and so we have to be aware of this, that you're not here observing the workers of God. We are the workers of God. Nothing wrong with having favorite teachers or favorite preachers. There are, there are some preachers which do nothing for me, but some people get excited about them. And then there are preachers which really speak to me, and other people go, huh, <laughs> right? Because we're all different. No, nothing wrong with having favorite speakers, they have different uh, favorite uh, preachers or different mentors. But understand this. They are your co-workers. We're not worshiping them. We're all following Jesus. And you are part of the mission. So learn and do. Amen? We are co-workers. Now, work or mission has been assigned to us. If you remember in, in last month's series, we noticed that in the Garden of Eden, God gave work for Adam to do before the fall. Some people think, ah, work is a curse. Why did Adam sin? Because Adam sinned, now I've got to work. No ways. Work is a blessing. Work is a privilege. You get to do things, to create things. You know, God is a creator. God is an organizer. God is a, is, is a person with abilities and, and so forth and gifts. And he's given you gifts and abilities. And you can create, you can organize. Now, God can create out of nothing. We need something to start off with. But given that, we can do things. Look around the world. We've got the potential of doing beautiful things. We also have the potential to take what God has given us and create destructive substances and destructive weapons. You can create. You are a creator. But you need to decide, am I going to be a creator for good or for evil? Am I going to be a co-worker with God and create things that bring life or am I going to turn my back on God and create things which bring death? Hello. All right. And so we have been given work. All of us have been assigned work. Now, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, Ephesians 2, 10, it says that we are God's handiwork. You are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works did you know that you were created to do good works so when you are cooking <laughs> when you are building when you are cleaning when you are designing when you are attending a client when you are doing something for your boss what are we supposed to do good work we're supposed to do a good work because good works bring glory to God. Huh? If you do good work, no matter what it is, you do good work, people notice it. And when people need that work to be done, they're going to go to you because you're honest. You don't steal from the boss. You don't steal from your clients. All right? You use what is available. You are creative. Okay? And uh, it brings glory to God. Your life is bringing glory to God. But it goes beyond that. Because through your good work, it may open up a door to witness for Jesus Christ. You know? Why? Why do you stay a little bit later? I mean, you should have knocked off at half past four. It's quarter to five. You're still working. Over. Why? I know. Look, I just want to make sure I do a good thing. And you know, after all, what I'm doing... I'm not doing for you. I'm doing for God. Say what? But I'm paying you. Yeah, but the Bible says whatever I do, I must do it for the Lord. <laughs> You're weird, man. He says, I know. 
And who knows, a conversation may start. And you might find your client, your colleague, or your boss might be needing a word of encouragement from the Lord, from the Bible. And you could be right there, the right place, in a comfortable enough situation that you can give him that word, give him that encouragement, give him that verse, give him that, that invite him to get close to Jesus. Maybe pray with him. Pray with her, pray with him. Can I pray with you? Can I pray for you? Yeah? And you become an agent for the kingdom of God through the good work <laughs> that you are doing. Amen? Through the selfless work that you are doing. We are God's handiwork, creating Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now, if God prepared work for us to do in advance, it's because he knew, <laughs> it's because he knew what he had built in us. And the fact is, we are all built differently. We are all wired differently. Now, we know that certain groups of people tend to be wired in a similar way than others. For example, we know that women's brains are wired differently than men's brains. And you're not responding because you're afraid of your wife or husband next to you right now. Okay? But if you've been married for any longer than 10 minutes, you know that your wife is very different to your husbands and, and wives. You know that husband, you just can't figure him out. Okay? But you're not here to talk about that today. What I'm saying is there are differences which are general, but each one of us specifically are unique in how we are built. Let's take a quick look. And... Um, I'm going to start off because we have all been given specific abilities. And I'm going to start off with a, with a parable that Jesus said to kind of, kind of illustrate the point. Because see, the problem with us is this. I look at my brother there or, or my sister and I say, wow, I wish I could do what she does. I, I wish I could be as clever as him. Yes, you know, I, I wish I could do business like that brother does. I, I wish I could do administration like that sister does. Oh, my goodness, I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish. And while I'm wishing to be like somebody else, I ignore what I actually am. And we tend to ignore what we are because what we are tends to come so naturally to us that we don't notice it. For example, there are people that sing naturally. Some people need to go for singing classes and do ho oh, oh, ho oh, oh. But other people, they're kind of born singers. They don't have to go to class. They've got beautiful voices. They can sing and, and keep a tune and so forth. And people that can sing naturally cannot understand how anybody else cannot sing. But with all that singing ability, they might not be able to play the piano. And then they see somebody playing the piano. Oh, I wish you could play. I wish you could play like that. Oh. And they ignore their sing single ability to sing. And I want to be like that. We all have abilities. Now, let me take you to Matthew. Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 to 30. Now, this is Jesus speaking. And he's talking about the kingdom of heaven. Okay? Remember, we are being equipped for the mission because our mission is to be agents for the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, okay? Kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven, interchangeable, all right? For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one, he gave five talents. To another, 
two talents, and to another, one talent. Now watch. To each, according to his own ability. Each one of us have different abilities. Some of us can handle five talents. Some of us can handle two talents. <laughs> Some of us, we struggle to handle one talent. But we can do it. We can handle that one talent. And so, the master called his servants and he gave them according to their own ability. And then immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. In this, in this instance, a talent was a measure of money. A measure of maybe gold or money. And so they went with this and, and he traded with this and he doubled what was given to him. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. So he also doubled. Both of them made a 100% profit with what had been given uh, to them. But he who had received one, he looked at the two and says, Oh, he's got two, he's got five, only got one. And what did he do? He says he went and he dug in the ground <laughs> and he the Lord's money. He went to dig a hole in the ground, put the money there and covered it up and left it over there in a place nobody could find. Only he knew where the money was. After a long time, say long time. How long has Jesus been gone for? The problem is when masters are away for a long time, you tend to forget about them. You, you tend to assume they're not coming back anymore. <laughs> maybe, maybe I need to, I can go and get that talent and do whatever I want with it. Maybe I can use it for myself. After a long time. But here's the, here's the, here's the thing though. Even though I was gone for a long time, he came back. He came. Jesus has been gone for a long time. And many people are saying, Fables, man, fables. This Jesus of yours, you, you guys are crazy. Huh? Waiting for him to return. 2,000 years. Look, look, look at your lives, man. He's not coming back. And it's so easy to forget about the master. It's so easy to forget about the Lord. Easy to forget that you have to give an account of what has been entrusted to you. And so, after a long time, <laughs> the Lord came. Oh, this is bad. And settled accounts with them. Folks, a day is coming in each one of our lives where we are going to stand before the Lord and settle accounts with him. It's going to happen to us. To all of you watching online, all of you listening, all your friends, all your family members, all your colleagues, Every single human being on the planet who is alive, who has ever lived, who will ever live, we will all stand before the master to give an account of what we have done with what has been given to us. Hmm. And so he who had received five talents came and, and brought five other talents saying, Lord, you delivered me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things, five. I will make you ruler over many things. Say many things. Okay. Many things. 
Enter into the joy of your Lord. <laughs> he also had received two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. And his Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. Say a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Say many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Notice something over here. First of all, that it is a reward for how we handle what is being entrusted to us. There's a reward. I also notice the following. Both the guy with the five talents and the guy with the two talents. The guy with five made five. The guy with the two made two. Yet both of them receive exactly the same commendation from the master. Both of them hear exactly the same words. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make a ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Because both of them, although one had five talents, one had two, both of them doubled what they had. Both of them gave a 100% increase. Both of them used what they had to the fullest and were able to double what they had. They're able to use what they had productively and increase what had been entrusted to them. But then, he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, raping, uh, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not, where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, here you have what is yours. I kept it for you, Lord. It's yours. But his Lord answered and said, you wicked and lazy servant. Ouch. This is the last thing I want to hear from Jesus. Huh? He buried his talent. And so he gets this response. You wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I reap what I have not sown and gather what I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I would have re received back my own worth interest at least. You are being happy with that. At least get some interest. Do something. A little something. And at least uh, you're going you're gonna to increase a little bit what you got. The, the owner would, be, would have been happy with that. But no, the guy hid it. Didn't use it. Squandered it. Crushed it. And he got this thing. You wicked and lazy servant. Now listen. The guy kept what was the master's. He didn't, he didn't waste it. He didn't lose it. He kept it. And he brought it back to the master. There it is. What you gave me, here it is. Lord, nice and clean, it's there. And yet he got called a wicked and lazy servant. What about you and I when God gives us something and not only do we bury it and keep it and don't use it, but as some people do, they waste it and they squander it and they use it on lustful, terrible, horrible things. And when the Lord comes, they've got nothing to show for it. Can you imagine that? If the man who actually brought back the Lord's talents back, the one single talent there, got called a wicked and lazy servant, what about you and I if we not only don't use it for good, but waste it on what is not kingdom stuff, on what's not good? Imagine how that will be judged. And so you ought to have deposited. So take the talent from him 
and give it to him who has ten talents. Now you're going to see a, there's a parallel between this one and the parable we saw last month of the minas. Remember? Because now in the minas, each one got one mina. And then they had to do something. So in that parable, it had to do, that mina represented your life. Okay, your life. You got one life. You got to do something with your life. You can multiply your life and, and, and make it a blessing to others. Your, 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 you can, your life can have influence, you know, tenfold or, or five or at least double. But you can't just waste your life and have no influence at all. That was about your life. This parable is about talent. It's about giftings. In this parable, talents represent money, but different quantities of money. Life application to us, it, below, it, it represents what has been entrusted to us. Not just money, but giftings and abilities that we all have. And some people have many abilities. Some people have few abilities. There are some things people can do and some things people can't do. All right? And so... He's talking about the different abilities. We are all different. Some of us have five, some have ten, some have two, some have one. But the important thing is this, you've got to multiply. And again, it takes from him who did not use it, use it or lose it. You don't use what you've got, you're going to lose it. And so this guy lost it. And the Lord gave it to the guy with five because that guy has more. And he says, whoever has, whoever has not will be taken. He said there. So take the talent and give to, to, to has ten. For to everyone who has, more will be given. And he will have in abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And this sounds harsh. And he cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Sounds so harsh. But here's the point. Jesus is looking at our lives and looking for productivity. He wants you to use what you've got. Not just to waste it. Not to squander it. Not to sit here wishing you were somebody else. Not to sit here wondering and hoping you could be somebody else. No. And so talents refer not just to money, but to specific abilities. Here's an example. Romans chapter 12, verses 3 to 8. Romans 12, 3 to 8. For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you. He's writing this to the church, and it comes all across the ages to us today. So I say, to everyone among you, those of you sitting over here, those of you watching, those of you listening, this word is for you. It's for me. It's for us. Do not think of himself more highly than you ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Each one of us has a measure of faith. Don't say, oh, pastor, I don't have faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God, says Hebrews chapter 6. And so we need faith. And God has given us a measure of faith. Everyone has a measure of faith. Whether it's a small one or a little bit bigger one, Jesus said, all you need is like a mustard seed, a little bit. That's all you need. And God has given to each one of us a measure of faith. So don't think of yourself more than you should. Don't exalt yourself. Be humble. But also don't undercut yourself. Because you have faith. You have enough faith to start doing what God has called you to do. Now check this. For as we have many members in one body, I mean, look at, at this church. We are one church, but we have many members in this church. And in the body of Christ, which means all the believers in the whole world, we are many members in the body of Christ. Now he says, as we are many members in one body, but watch, but all the members do not have the same function. As we are sitting over here, we don't have the same function. 
So we, being many, are one body in Christ with all our different functions and individually members of one another. We need to grasp this. You know, because people think, oh, and I'm just going to church, I'm going to sing a few songs, you know, listen to the pastor, and that come again, and see you guys next week. No, as Christians, we are one body. And ga- God gathers us in local churches like this, so that we can become gathered together. Listen, we cannot connect with three billion Christians across the world. It's impossible. But we can connect with 30, 40, 50, 100 in one single place. We can become gathered together, members of one another. And that's why, yeah, we, we, we share prayer requests. We, we weep together. We love together. Bible says, weep with those weep. Rejoice with those rejoice. It's the people that you know, the people you're dealing with. It's part of life. Life has joyful moments. Life has sad moments. And we need one another. We need to, to be together, to encourage and so forth. And so he says, for we are many members in one body, but not all members have the same function. So we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having then differing, 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 uh, having then gifts, differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. So there we go. We all have gifts and they differ according to the grace that has been given to us. Each one of us has an amount of grace upon us. None of us has all the grace. Only Jesus did. And God knew <laughs> that even as born-again believers, if any one of us has too much grace, we're going to become bigger than proud, man. And you're going to think we are better than everybody else. And I've seen examples of that already. Where men and women who are gifted with particular graces become so bigoted and proud that they become manipulators of others instead of servants of others. That's why the Bible says, do not think of himself more highly than you ought to. If you are blessed with many gifts, many graces, stay humble and serve. Don't become proud and manipulate others. Amen? So here we go. Which are the gifts then? If prophecy... Let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. And the word prophecy, yeah, does not mean to foretell the future. Oh, sister, I, I see, I see, you know, tomorrow, next week. Oh, in, in, your, in your fridge, I see this. No, man, that's nonsense, man. A, a prophecy, yeah, means proclamation. Your people have the gift of the gab. And they can come on a Sunday morning and talk for hours nonstop. <laughs> okay. Like this guy, yeah. Anyway, it, it, it's the ability, <laughs> it's the ability to communicate, the ability to proclaim the good news, the ability to explain things, the ability to speak. I mean, you know that public speaking. Some people it, they, they die a thousand deaths before walking up and speaking. Not everybody can do this. And by the way, I'm only doing this because by the grace of God, because naturally I don't like to be in front of people and speak. Okay, I've shared it with you my testimony. But he says, when you do that, when you prophesy, when you speak and preach and proclaim, do that in proportion to your faith. Again, don't go more than, you know, stay with what you know. Okay, don't try and be a wise guy. They just stay with what you know. Amen. And, uh, and then what else? Uh, or ministry. Let us use it in ministry. Ministry means serving. Serving. So many people, they love to serve. When something happens, they say, how can I help? You know, can I clean up? Can I, can I pack up? Can I do? They love serving. Ministry means service. 
When you think of the word minister, he's a minister. Oh, minister. It simply means servant. That's why these ministers, you know, minister of this and minister of that. They are servants. They should be serving us. Not wasting our money. Uh, that's another topic. But in the, in the church, when somebody's a minister, he's a servant. When you're a minister for God, you're a servant of God. You're serving God as a minister. So if you're going to serve, then use your service. He who teaches. There are people that have an ability to spend time over books and, 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 and they take difficult concepts and they break it down so that you can understand them. Those are teachers. Okay? And so those who teach, those who have that ability to, 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 to teach, man, in teaching, use that. He who exhorts in exhortation. Exhortation means, to exhort means to, to encourage, to, to, to challenge, you know, to, 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 come on guys, you can do this and you can encourage people, cheer people on. He who gives with liberality. There are people, they just love to give. And you don't have to be rich to be a giver. But then there are people, they just have the gift or the ability to create money to give it away. To create stuff to give it away. They just have an ability. And so he says, those who give, well, do it. All right? He who gives, do it with liberally. Do it. And he who leads with diligence. There are people that have got an ability to lead. They can organize. They can, they can plan. And they, they like to lead. like to get things done. You do this. You do that. Da, da, da. He says, those who do it, do it with diligence to get the job done. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. There are some people, they love to empathize. They feel for other people. And we need more mercy givers in this planet. But he says, those who show mercy, do it with cheerfulness. Because it's very easy. Those who show mercy, because often they are so involved with, with pain and loss and, and things like that, sometimes they become downcast as well. And then they're not showing cheerfulness. And so when you are showing mercy, do it with cheerfulness. In other words, bring comfort and bring some joy as well to those that you are serving. Now, over here in this passage, you find seven gifts. This passage is called motivational gifts. All right? And all of us, you have one or more of these seven gifts. In fact, one can actually do a little test and, and find out. But I'm saying this because of the following. This passage has been given to you. But you know what? Every person, whether you're a Christian, you're not. Every human being has some of these abilities. We have been equipped for the work that God has for us. Amen? These are motivational gifts. But in other passages of the Bible, and you'll see them as you go on later, but they, in Ephesians, we talk about the five ministry gifts, which is the prophet, the, the, the apostle, the, 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 the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher. Those are church work giftings that God puts in the church to equip the body. Some of you may be called to come and do those functions. Then in, 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 in Corinthians, you have the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. Those are gifts of the Holy Spirit, not yours, his, but he will use you to, through you, give that gift to somebody in need. So at a given moment, you might want to pray for somebody else and, and the Holy Spirit will give you the gift of healing to pray for that person and get that person healed. The Holy Spirit might give you a word of knowledge for you to say something to that person which will bless them and encourage them. Those are gifts of the Holy Spirit. 
And so these gifts are available to us. God has already equipped us. 1 Peter 4 verses 10 and 11. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others, you see. Whatever gift you've got, use it to serve others as faithful servants of God's grace in various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. And so what he does here, he kind of breaks, there are speaking gifts and serving gifts. And if you go through all the gifts, Holy Spirit gifts, motivational gifts, um, uh, uh, church gifts, all of them are going to fall into these two categories. Either you are speaking things, saying things, teaching things, prophesying things, you know, or you are practically doing things. So whether you are speaking or doing, he says, man, do this, do this for the glory of God. Do, the, do this with the strength God provides, that in all things God may be praised. You see, we are on a mission. And whatever we do, we must do it in the strength of the Lord. But you need to become aware of the gift which God has given you. And so I want you to this week to throw these thoughts around in your head. What am I good at? And that's a horrible question because we, we, we tend to focus on what we are not good at. Yeah? What are you lousy at? Oh, easy. I'm lousy at this and this and this and this. But what are you really good at? What do you enjoy doing? And what are you good at doing? That question might take a little bit more time to answer. But you'll, you'll quickly find out. Because, see, that's going to point to the giftings which God has already placed in you for the mission he has for you on this planet. We are to mine our gifts. And so as we continue the series next week, we will look at areas of stewardship in our lives and how we can use our gifts in the different areas for the glory of God. And as stewards of everything in our lives, listen, you're a steward of everything. All these gifts that you may have in you, all these abilities, it's been given to you by the grace of God for the use of God. Oh, oh but Paul, does that mean I, I can't earn a living using my abilities? Of course you must. <laughs> But even in your earning a living, even in your work, do it to the glory of God. It's what I said just now. You're working, but do your best. You know, make sure you glorify God through your Because you see, you're not working for your boss. You're not working for your client. You're working for God. Let me show you because I want to end today with this thought in your mind. Understand that as stewards of everything in our lives, I want you to remember this. And I'm going to kind of put three verses together. It's in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, and then in Colossians chapter 3, verses 17 and 23. So listen to this as we close. So, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Come on, pastor. Do you mean to tell me if I go to a restaurant and have a meal, I must do it to the glory of God? The answer is yes. When you go to a restaurant and have a meal, be a blessing. Don't make a fool of yourself. Huh? Treat those waiters nicely. Give them a good tip. Make some friends. Joke a little bit. Let your table be a table of laughter and joy. Huh? If you're doing it at home, you know, same thing. That's why I always like to pray before I eat. Because I realize that food before me, no matter how simple it is, it's a gift of God. 
that gift, that food could, have, could be taken away from you just like this. Ask many people today in different parts of the world through floods and other things and wars and so on. They don't have food. You have food. Thank God for that. And then eat with joy, okay, eat and, and give God the glory, all right? But not only that, whatever you do. Um, and, and I'm just reminded because we've had such wonderful times, either myself and my wife or with friends in eating in public places and, and so forth. We've had such wonderful opportunities just to testify to people just because of our behavior, you know. Um, and, and like with myself and my wife, we've had people telling us, you know, I, I, I've watched you guys come here and having coffee. You're always talking to each other. Oh, you, you're married, right? <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> because, you know, how it goes. If you go at lunchtime to a restaurant, all those guys and girls talking to each other nicely, it's the bosses and the secretaries, right? <laughs> and, and those couples just sitting over there, quiet, eating, looking at their phones, those are husbands and wives. They're not talking to each other. And so people can't understand. Now, you and I, we can, we can be talking. We can spend the whole half an hour over there talking to each other. And, and, you know, and we've had opportunities to testify of God and of his kingdom <laughs> through our eating and drinking. Can you believe it? Huh? You enjoy food and drink and still being a blessing to others. I like that, man. I can sign up for that. <laughs> all right? But do all, whatever you do, and, and, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, here we go again. Every gift you have, you're going to use it either by speaking or by doing something, okay? So whatever you do, whatever your job is, whatever your mission is, whatever God calls you to do, word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. There you go. Your job, your school, your studies. Don't be like these palookas that are going around burning, burning schools and burning things and wanting stuff for free and so on. Listen, you work for it, man. And you do it with all your heart. You pay your dues. Because this life is hard. Don't go around burning, destroying stuff. Get there and do it diligently. Do it diligently. Giving thanks to God. Amen? Work at it with all your heart. Whether you're a mechanic or a baker or a plumber or an engineer, IT, whatever you're doing, do it with all your heart. Because obviously, first of all, you've been gifted to that. You enjoy doing what you're doing. But don't do it just for your own pleasure. Do it for God's pleasure. He gave you abilities, man. He gave you the ability to have insight and, and be able to sort things out and, and do things, make things, say things, speak things. Do it for Him, for His glory. Not only is it going to bring joy to you, but it's going to work for the kingdom of God. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for human masters. Do you know that as much as I love preaching to you and, and, and heading this church and, and doing everything I do in my life, you know, talking at schools and counseling and all sorts of stuff, as much as I enjoy doing all that, I'm not looking for your approval <laughs> or for your appreciation. It's nice, okay. I enjoy that sermon, Pastor. Ah, that's good. It's nice. But I'm doing this for the audience of one. And I invite you to live your life for an audience of one. You young people, you are being checked out all the time. You're on Facebook, you're on Instagram, and, and, and you want all the likes, likes, likes. You want people to like you. Why? Are they going to pay your bills? 
Are they going to get you to heaven? Are they going to help you accomplish your mission? Live your life for Jesus. Be bold. Stick up for what you believe. Put it over there. You might lose some friends, but you might also reach out to some friends. Because the fact is, in spite of all this nonsense and all these likes, and all that, people are actually looking for genuine stuff. They're looking for truth. They're looking for reality. There is nothing more real than Jesus. There's nothing more real than a relationship with Jesus. And understand, the life is not likes. Life is not cosmetic or smiles. And, uh, life has ups and has downs. Has joys and sorrows. And Jesus is there with us all the time. We don't need popularity to make it through life. We need Jesus to make it through life. He is our source. Amen? Let's stand. Let's close in prayer. Father God, help us to understand that being a follower of Jesus Christ is the most exciting mission on earth. Yeah, sometimes it does not look very glamorous. Sometimes it does attract a whole lot of problems. But Lord, we understand that we are talking about eternity of our Lord and not just this life. We are battling for the souls of people for eternity. A destiny with you in heaven or separated from you in hell. And Lord, we have been invited in this mission to be co-workers with God. To expand the kingdom of God. And help more people enter into the kingdom. Find Jesus as Lord and Savior. Lord, help each of my brothers and sisters here. Everyone watching. Everyone listening. Lord, help us this week to become aware of who we are, we are in Christ. Of our own gifts and, and abilities that you've given to us, Lord God. Lord, give us that mindset that says, I'm going to do my best. Not for the sake of my boss or my client or my teacher or my colleagues or those on my Facebook or Instagram or whatever. I'm doing this for my Father in heaven. I'm doing this for Jesus. I'm doing this for God. Whatever I do, I'm going to do it from my heart to the glory of God. Help us, Lord, to have this mindset, this determination, and this discipline, Lord. Because our desire is to that day, when we see you face to face, to hear from you, Lord Jesus, those words. Well done, good and faithful servant. Hallelujah. You've been faithful in the little. <laughs> I'm going to give you much. I'm going to put you over much. Enter into the rest of your Lord. That's our desire, Lord. I pray this will be each one of our desires today. And thank Lord as we go on in the studios. Help us to grow in this sense of mission. For your glory, Father. Thank you that you have called us to mission possible in Jesus' name. And so now, may the love of God the Father, the grace and the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with each and every one of us as we pursue our life in mission for the kingdom of God. Amen. God bless you. Have a great Sunday and see you next Sunday for part two. Amen. Amen.